0: Lord Jesus, would you be in the words that are spoken today, Lord? Would you, by your authority, Lord, speak to each and every one of us as we look at your word, as we look at what the scripture has to say, Lord, and that this message would find a home in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sure. So, um, (laughs) I have to chuckle because Leroy picked on me and he said, if I have to give this message a title, Where's Leroy? So if I have to give this message a title, I would call it Christ-Centered, the Church. And um, it's interesting, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. You know, sometimes in a conversation, well, maybe you don't know, but I'm telling you, I know. Sometimes in a conversation, somebody can say something and you miss it. And it's the next day that God reminds you, but remember that was said, and you're like, and so? No, no, remember that was said? Oh wow. Oh. Oh right. And then you and you start to build on it. And that's often how some not often, but sometimes that's how preachers are put together. Somebody says something and I realise sometimes if somebody raises a point or makes something, it, it needs to be needs to be addressed thoroughly. And um I I know that I gave this message a brief mention a couple of weeks ago but I felt after that I needed to actually give it some depth hence this message today and the the focus of this message is really like this and I'm stealing a a point that Andrew often makes or he has made over the years if you've ever been to a circus or a a kids um, show sometimes you get that guy that spins plates They have a long stick about this long, and they stick it in a hole, and then they put a plate on top, and then they spin that plate, and it spins so fast it stays on the end of that stick. And I mean, the stick might be five or six foot long, and that plate stays up there and it keeps spinning. And then he puts a second stick, and he spins it, and then he does a third stick, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth. But by the time he gets to stick number six, the First plate has started to lose a little bit of its momentum, and you find what happens is the stick starts to do this because the plate's now not so balanced by its own momentum anymore, and it's starting to wobble a bit, and so he's got to leave number six and come back to number one, and he's got to spin it again, and then he goes to the next one because that's also now starting to lose, and he spins that one, and then he and he, and in the space of a few minutes he has ten plates going, but he's got to keep running because they're not all spinning at the same, and so while he's spinning, whoa, that, that one at the end needs my attention, and, and then he spins that, and then he, and everyone's, whoa, whoa, and then one at a time, the plates start falling off, okay? And I think this thing called Christianity is the same thing. Sometimes we've got to spin a plate, and when we're spinning one, we focusing on the one, we start to neglect a couple of others, and then they need to be spun, and, and Christianity is made up so much more of More than one thing, isn't it? Christianity is worship. And it's prayer. And it's the things that were discussed the last couple of weeks. It's hospitality and it's apostles. But not apostles alone. Apostles work together with prophets and evangelists to build up the church. And and so it's like we've got to keep spinning these plates. And I, I felt that perhaps... We'd focused a little bit on something, and it had given, like we'd neglected a few of the other plates. And so I wanted to just bring perspective, and it's this thing called the church. And um, I want to start by saying, every time I use the word church this afternoon, I want you to think of the original word, Ecclesia. Okay. Because church is the English translation of the original word, which was ecclesia. Well, that was the Greek word anyway. I don't know what the Hebrew word was, but that was the Greek word. So if I use the word church, please, I want you to not think of a building or a place or a name or anything like that. I want you to think of it in terms of the getting together. In fact, it was described some time ago, the ecclesia is actually those that are summoned. Together, to be together. I think Mike used the, uh, the example of a court case. If you are summoned, you're called, you, are, you, you have to go. It's the coming together of those that have been summoned. Actually, if we've been saved, we stand out from the rest of the world, don't we? We have something special, a gift. And so this ecclesia is like, when the ecclesia, when, the, when those that are called out or saved from the world are summoned together, to be together. And what do we call that today? We call that church. But it's become so much more than that. It's become a name and a brand and a place and a building and a time and, a, and so forth. So I want, I want you to please, when I say church, when we read church, I want you to think every time, Ecclesia, the coming together. And um,
1: there is this danger
0: that we can become so church focused. Just like we can become Bible focused, or we can become servant hearted focused, or we can become outreach focused, or we can become in, in mention any of the spiritual gifts focused, that we forget. All these plates that are spinning are for one reason and one reason only to point to Jesus. So I want to state categorically, whatever we teach, preach, share, encourage, admonish, edify, whatever we rebuke, etc. Why? For one reason and one reason only. And that's to point us to Christ himself. And so, um, I think back the last couple of months, and I know that I've preached on this a, a few times. We've spent quite a bit of time um, focusing on the importance of us being a body. Right? Right? and i And I know that I've exhausted those scriptures romans uh Romans twelve and one corinthians twelve and if you haven't read them, write them down, go read them Romans twelve one corinthians twelve and Paul writes, well, we don't know who wrote Romans, but we know in Corinthians he's talking about the body being all of us being knitted together to play a part and i i I, I know that i've I've spoken about that enough, so Let me start with this statement then, or this statement.
1: If you love Jesus, if you love Jesus, you'll want to make your life all about
0: Him, won't you? If you love Jesus, you'll be interested in the things that He's interested in, won't you? If you love Jesus, you'll want the things that He wants to happen in your life, right? And if you love Jesus, surely you'll want to live for the things that He lived and died for. Not so. If you're going to surrender your life to Him, you don't surrender and become useless. You surrender and become useful to Him. And that means you want to know, well, what does He want for you to do? What does he want your life to look like? How does he want you to live? How does he want you to use your energy, your time in stewarding what he's given you? Because you can't say, I live for you, Lord, and then do your own thing. Can you? Lord, I've surrendered my life to you. I'm going to go build my empire. Lord, I'm living for you, but I'm not going to do that. Or that, or that. Can't. It's a contradiction in terms. How, how is our faith known? Through our works. Right? How, how does our lives show that we're living for Jesus? Through the fruit of our lives. But if we're not living for Jesus, the fruit of our lives will not be his fruit, will it? It could be something else. Whatever that looks like, good or bad, doesn't matter. So, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. And these parts that make up the body, who are the parts? It's all of us, isn't it? Me included. It's not you. It's not me pointing at you. It's you and me. We're the parts that make up the body. And if you read those and you're still not convinced that God's intention is for us to be knitted together, working together, please come and speak to me, because I must check the version that you're reading. Because, because that's, that's very, very clear. Um, and then we looked also at Ephesians 4.11 and 4.12. And I, I, you should be able to quote this by now. 4.11, the fivefold gifts. Prophets, pastors, evangelists, apostles, teachers. What do they do? They're supposed to build and equip us to do what? To build up the body of Christ. But I want to focus on this. Ephesians 4.13 today. Let's start there. And this is what it says. And read it slowly with me. Until, until we all
1: reach what? A unity in the faith. And then, in the knowledge of
0: Jesus. In the knowledge of Jesus. And then, to become mature. In other words, God wants you to grow up in Him. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can you you see in that? There is a goal for us in this life. That's not when we get to heaven... That's not one day when you married and then you've had your kids and you've got your holiday house and your favorite car and your overseas trips and what have you. No, 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 no. That's the goal. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that right now you're having a bit of a wow moment. Like, wow. So that's, so that's why you give us prophets, apostles, and all these guys to build us up, to become a body, so that we can reach a unity in the faith In the knowledge of the Son of God, who is Jesus, and mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal for this life. And if that still hasn't sunk in, please come and speak to me. See, getting saved and baptized is the start. Isn't it? It's where we get to meet Jesus for the first time. In this life in this life god has a purpose for us if you've ever wondered what's my purpose it's that okay so moving on so i'm going to read a portion of scripture and i'm going to read it from three different versions okay because i know a lot of you like the new king james so i want to read the new king james In fact, I read quite a bit of scripture out of New King James today. You'll be happy to see. But I want to read it to you because when we read this first portion, if you like me, you're going to get to the end and go, what just happened? Okay, let's read it together. Ephesians 1, verse 15. And Paul writes and he says, Therefore I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He's he's celebrating. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, that he'll give you the Holy Spirit. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? In other words, his inheritance of you and I. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the workings of the Holy Spirit, his mighty power. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm asking that God gives you the Holy Spirit, the same powerful Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, (laughs) and this was read earlier, far above all principalities, and powers, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and listen to this, 22, and he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church
1: which is his body.
0: The fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's read 22 again. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now when I read that version, I must tell you, it's the, that scripture is something you want to stop and read two words at a time. Because there's so many layers in it okay so i want to take you to a same scripture slightly different version it's the esv version and we'll start at verse 18. And paul says having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now don't switch off, because I'm going to give you an interpretive version now. The message. Stick with me. Okay? This is for modern day. This is for the Gen X plus, double X plus Y and Z and ABC. Alright. So we're just going to read the last few verses out of this. And it says, In verse 20, all this energy, the Holy Spirit, issues from Christ. God raised Him from death and set Him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from His rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything At the center of all of this, Christ rules the Ecclesia. The Ecclesia, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the Ecclesia. The Ecclesia is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. I hope you see with me how
1: closely intertwined the Ecclesia Church is with Christ, not separate. I know that Jesus can exist without the church. He doesn't need us. But
0: the question is, can we exist without him? Okay, And when you start to understand that Jesus died for the church, the church is made up of us as individuals of course but there's almost a contradiction in terms he died for the church when god handed the promised land to the israelites he didn't give the land to one person gave it to a body of people The israelites were numerous millions 12 tribes abraham isaac jacob and his 12 sons they moved not Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but the 12 tribes moved into the promised land and they cut the land up between the tribes and everybody got a piece of land. Who did the land belong to? Any one person? No. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, inherited the land and everybody got a portion. The church is the same thing. Church is not individual. Church is a group. It's the ecclesia, the coming together of us as a body. So last week at Marvin's community, we were discussing spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 13. And you all know the love, the love chapter, I'm sure. But the irony is this. That the spiritual gifts that are given to us are given to build one another up and to build the church up. Okay? But that chapter focuses on love being the glue or the ingredient that gives the gifts life. In the absence of love, the gifts are useless. Well, in fact, they're not useless. Wrong word. In fact, the gifts that God gives can be very useful.
1: But without love, they're wasted.
0: And the funny thing about love is this. When you love someone or something... You open yourself up to the possibility of getting hurt, don't you?
1: How many people I know, partners have betrayed them, have got divorced and then refuse
0: to love again because the hurt is so deep. I'm not judging that. I'm saying that's a fact of life. I know many more people who've been hurt by church, been hurt by people in church, and it's too hard to recover from. See, spiritual gifts without that kind of selfless love, which exposes you to getting hurt, just like God was hurt by Israel, just like God had to give up his son. Do you think, God the Father was not hurt when his son died on a cross. Then you think that he has no emotion. He does. He has emotion exactly like we do. Love is the ingredient that binds us together. And the point I'm trying to make is is that we can be the most gifted. But if we use our gifts without love, it's wasted. There's absolutely no purpose. In fact, I would turn it on its head and say, love without gifts is worth everything. Gifts without love is worth nothing. And so similarly,
1: the church without Christ is dead. Church without Christ, just a movement, just a gathering of people.
0: Without him, it's pointless. And so too our lives outside of committed, devoted, loving relationships in this body, also dead. I've seen people I'm sure most of you have too. disease I don't know what it's called it causes your muscles
1: to lose control. Right? It's like a muscle dystrophy.
0: You no longer can control your body. Can't dress yourself, can't eat, can't feed yourself, can't do anything. You are completely reliant on people around you. If we as a church, ecclesia, body of people, don't love one another and work together in love, we like that kind of body. We're dysfunctional. (laughs) There's no harmony. There's no common cause. There's no common purpose. And if we are the body and Christ is the head, then we want to be led by Jesus, don't we? We want him to tell us where to go and what to do. And we want to follow suit. But if we're dysfunctional like a body that has no control over itself, how does Jesus lead us? We can't follow him we're not working together we're not in harmony with one another and it's not a harmony in the absence of strife hear me we're people but we have to work towards that that mature attaining the knowledge of christ as one it's love for one another that brings harmony you've heard scriptures love believes the best love covers a multitude of sins Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't put itself first. It puts others first. How many scriptures are like that? Okay. And in this body, we call to love one another. Not because we are perfect, but because he is. But we have to exercise love in our relationships. And that means exposing ourselves to one another. Possibility of getting hurt. And I've got hurt in church
1: many times. And it's not easy. It's not easy.
0: But it's where God intends for us to be. And Lindsay and I have come to times where we like, should we just go? Like not leave Josh Jen, but we're going to leave this congregation because I was hurting. I had to work through that and realize that I wasn't Hadn't been deliberately hurt, was offended. And offence creeps in so quickly and so easily. We f- so easily find reasons to be offended and point fingers and say, well, did you see what they did? We go, God, did you see how they hurt? And he says, yeah. He says, did you see how they hurt me? Will you forgive them like I forgive them? Will you forgive them like I forgive you? Oh, man, that's hard. Come, let's carry on look at a few more scriptures. Um, so. In Ephesians 4, uh, verse 15, Paul writes, and he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, he says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. In other words, we are to become like Christ, and we are supposed to grow into Christ, from which the whole body, that's you and I, the ecclesia, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped When each part is working properly, makes, and it says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love.
1: See this beautiful picture.
0: Let's carry on. Now, before I go to Ephesians 5, Paul's actually talking about, husbands and wives in this passage of scripture and he's talking about how you know wives submit your husbands and husbands love your wives and what have you and what he does is he mirrors his instruction to christ and the church but i don't want to look at husbands and wives today because that's not what this message is about i want to look at the mirror that he uses about the christ and the church so let's read it and he says in verse 25 he says husbands love your wives Just as Christ loved the church, as Christ loved the ecclesia, and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her, who? The church, the ecclesia, to himself. That he might present her to himself as a glorious ecclesia not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that should that she should be that she the ecclesia should be holy and without blemish who's jesus focusing on you is he focusing on the world no no and that scripture that says for god so loved the world that he gave his only son yes god loved everybody make no mistake But He gave His only Son so that those who would believe in Him would have eternal life. Not the world. So God says, my invitation is to everyone. But those that believe in my Son make up what? The Ecclesia. In verse 29, He says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Just not the world, the church. For we are members of his body, that's you and I, of his flesh and of his bones.
1: Are you with me? i making sense. Let's carry on.
0: Verse 31. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now you might notice, it's in quotes. There's a a quote, for this reason and at one flesh. That's because he's quoting from Genesis. It's God who's speaking. He says, man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Okay? And in verse 32 he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Jesus doesn't leave the Father and the Holy Spirit to marry us. But there's this aspect of a husband and wife leaving their parents so that they can become one. Just like in verse 33, he says, but this is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Becoming one with us. We're we're his bride. We read another scripture out of Colossians 1. I hope you're liking the new King James here. I'm working this today. You know what I'm saying? Go Marvin. Love's a day says in verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the ecclesia, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that's Jesus, who is the first one to be resurrected forever, that in all things he may have the preeminence or supremacy. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, Heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus died for the church.
1: Not Josh Jane. Not this building. We.
0: But not exclusively us. Guys that meet here this morning. There are, you can Google how many church names there are worldwide. Family faith, kingdom faith, family church. You, ad nauseam. Jesus is not interested in a name. Didn't die for a name. Died for the ecclesia. The called out ones. In fact, I didn't give you, yeah. Ecclesia means the gathering of those that are summoned. The gathering of those that are summoned. So, (laughs) I sound like a stuck record sometimes, but it's like I feel like I'm begging. Please don't miss the meeting. The gathering, because you're summoned, not to my presence, but to his presence. The gathering of those that are summoned. There's like this this desire. Why? Because I stand with
1: you before the king.
0: And I don't want to miss it. See, I don't want to be like one of the five virgins. That missed the wedding feast. Because they were, for all intents and purposes, almost as prepared as the other five. They had their little thing. and They they were like, we're waiting for the bridegroom. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then when he came, they weren't ready. Oh, give us some of your oil. Ah, I only have enough for me. Okay, well, we'll quickly go and get some. And they missed the party. They get left outside. See, that's why I don't... When I get summoned to a gathering of Ecclesia, I don't want to miss it. And I don't want to put that on you like it's a law. It's not a law. It should be a heart attitude. You see, if we understand that Jesus paid a price on the cross for us, then my life doesn't belong to me. It actually belongs to him. So when he says, Tony, I want you to wake up at 3 in the morning. Ah, uh, Really? He normally doesn't ask. He just wakes me up. And then tells me something, and then lets me go back to sleep again, or I put a preach together, or something, because I I don't I don't own my life; it's not mine. Or I
1: take it back, in which case he doesn't have it. You can't it can't be both
0: ways; it's got to be one or the other. So I want to finish. I'm coming into land with this picture, and I I, I mentioned it slightly a, a while ago, and it. Talks, I spoke about a bride. We used to have DSTV. And if anyone's ever watched DSTV, man, when those brides go to that place to go find a dress, Shani, are you listening? <laughs> yo, World War 3 can start in those places sometimes. Between the mother-in-law and the sister and the cousin and the mother and... Yo, it's war. Because you know what? I, I've heard... Like when I grew up, teenage girls, like they know what they're going to look like one day at their wedding day. They already, they know the dress going to look like that, it's going to look like this and that and blah, blah. Color scheme, flowers, you know, it's like that's my day. And I'll tell you something, I know her. A bride doesn't just wake up on her wedding day and now she's going to get ready. <laughs> Don't be silly. She's already decided on the menu and the venue and the drinks list and the seating list and who's coming and no, they're not coming because they're going to ruin my day and the colors that the bridesmaids are going to wear and how big the bouquet must be and where the, what color the garter and like she's got a thousand things and he must just arrive. That's all. He must just pitch and wear what he's told to wear. And I can tell you months before she's already watching what she's eating and she's going to gym and, you know, make sure that her skin is flawless and then, yo, I don't know what else. And then on the day, it's hair and nails and makeup and shoes and, am I right? We're going to read two scriptures now. If we're the bride of Christ, see, we don't know when he's coming. She knows my wedding day is that day, that time. And she's going to be late. Because she can. She's allowed. She's going to make him sweat. Okay? But we don't know when he's coming, do we? All the signs say soon, but we don't know. Right? And so we need to be in a constant state of preparation. Don't we? Keep fixing our nails. Keep fixing our hair. Keep sorting out our makeup. Not so. So it's a work.
1: It's a work. It's an effort. And if we're not ready, if we're not
0: in harmony, in love with one another, gathering when we're summoned, I mean that so gently. But if we're not in harmony like that, when he comes in the blink of an eye, you'll be like, what just happened? Did I miss something?
1: Because we missed it. Because there's no warning. So we've got to get this right. We've got to get this right. And whose effort is it going to take? All of ours. Together. Owning this. And I end with two scriptures.
0: 2 Corinthians 11. Paul says, and he's, <laughs> he's trying to be funny. He says, I wish you would bear with me a, in a little foolishness. Please bear with my foolishness. He says, I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since, and he's talking to a church in Corinth, okay? He says, Since I betrothed you to one husband, Jesus, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. He says, I, I planted, I nurtured, I I try to make you as beautiful as I can so that I could give you to him as a virgin, as his bride. That you would be perfect in his eyes. That he would walk down the aisle like, well, we're the bride. As you walk down the aisle, he would look at you and you go, I died for you. Now I get to marry you. Now you and I become one. the head, you, the body, finally, we knit together properly forever you see the picture and the last scripture is revelations 21 and it's John writing and he says I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first heaven that's this existing heaven and earth have passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from heaven coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband now he's talking about the holy city don't get distracted here the city wasn't empty it's full of the chosen brothers and sisters in christ and he says i heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of god is with man with us he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them
1: as their God.
0: Back to the garden of Eden. And then it says, this is the greatest promise. He will wipe away every tear. From their eyes and death shall be no more. Shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. And the former things have passed away.
1: Do we not live for this? The hope of glory with you one day. Bow your heads and I want to pray. Lord, I pray this afternoon. As we set that as our goal, our final destination. It's what we live for, Lord. Promise.
0: The promise of being with you forever. The hope of living in glory with you forever and ever, where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more death, and no more suffering.
1: But I pray today, Lord, that we would embrace, truly
0: embrace, the part that we have to play in our love with one another, for one another. And that we would not become inclusive, Lord. That we'd not cocoon ourselves in this. But that the church, the part that we play in the Ecclesia is but one plate in the picture of how you want us to live. I pray, Lord, that we would get this right. And as we get this right, then we start spinning more plates. Worship, servant-heartedness, outreaches, going out to the community, evangelizing, so many things that we can do. But Lord, it starts with this, that we get the ecclesia right. And I pray today, Lord, that you would stir in our hearts a desire for this desire that each and every one of us would say yes i want it i want to be part of this i want to play my part i want to do what you're calling me to do lord and i want to be joined just as the scripture speaks of joined together by every sinew every bone every part that we would be joined together united as one To attain the
1: fullness of what you have for us. Please, Lord.
0: Lord, we can't do this alone. But I pray, Lord, that we would give ourselves to this. And that you, by your Spirit, Lord, the very Spirit that Paul prayed, that raised Christ from the dead, that you would do it in us with the help of your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we need you so
1: desperately.